Good morning. On Monday, we started discussion about these succinct, uh, very compact representations of uh, data structures. Um, I think the battery is going to die. Um, so the goal is to somehow find a way to get as close to information theoretical representation. So if Z is theoretically minimal representation in number of bits, doesn't mean how the bits are organized, just some bit vector, right? If Z is an absolute theoretical minimum, then how to achieve the data structures that uh, are either constant, something that is not much more than Z, or in the same order, maybe some, uh, maybe some, with uh, some constant overhead. So to make data representations uh, as minimal as possible. It's not exactly the same as compressing to Z bits to get this information theoretical, because at the end of the day we want to uh, be able to maintain some operations on top of the data efficiently. It's not that you just send the compressed file, then you unload it in the memory, and then you can start working with a big representation. So the small representation also has to support efficiently the operations. And uh, of course, you can imagine lots of different uh, opportunities for that. I, I mentioned that when we have too much data, then we, can, we should do anything possible to make the data structures as small as possible. Or in the very small devices, you better not waste uh, space. Or sending data over the internet, you should also use as small file sizes as possible be uh, fast and efficient. And uh, we started the discussion with the example of binary trees. If we can represent binary tree with efficient storage of uh, finding the parent, the child, left child, right child, then we can simulate, of course, binary search trees, KD trees, whatever, you name it. We just abstractly need to support binary trees, um, and uh, then we can uh, support all these different uh, operations on them. Uh, the, in the case of binary search trees, we went through the how to find out what is the information theoretical representation of a particular tree uh, tree shape, and. Uh, the way to achieve is to say that, okay, we, ha we have 100 node binary tree. How many different ways to make 100 node binary trees? With the root on the left, 99 trees. With the root on the right, one, uh, sorry, sorry, root on the left, 99 nodes. On the left one node, just one way, but on the right, 98 nodes, right? So uh, one plus the other plus two, 97, 
396. Root is always there. So what goes to the left, how much goes to the right. And this was the Catalan numbers, and the, uh, it's possible to count how many different different trees there is in total, binary trees. And uh, then the information theoretical uh, bound then says that there is uh, not more, there is less than 2 to the power of 2n. We then note less than 2 to the power of 2n different shapes of the trees. Therefore, logarithm of these numbers, of this number 2n bits should be enough to distinguish between any particular specific tree shape. 2n bits should be enough to tell what shape the tree is at the moment. So we can sort of say that our, our z is 2n or maybe a bit less. You can actually calculate that uh, in this case. And uh, then we started the example. This was probably the first uh, idea. Uh, the way how to do this, we can do any any tree this is a perfect binary tree because all the levels are full, all the nodes are have two children or they are leaves, right? But they can they can be more complicated. The fourth node in here, the fifth node in here, six and seven. Of course, in past we, we, we looked at the uh, binary heaps where you could store anything in the tree structure that would be first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. This would be the seventh node. And uh, the 8th is on the uh, next level of the first node. And then you know that if you, your 8th node in here is in here, its children will be 2i and 2i plus 1. 8th children will be after some the entire le le layer of other nodes in here, 2i and 2i plus 1. Yeah. But the problem is that in this representation there will be lots of empty slots. And we, we can't make large trees because it will be 2 to the power of the depth of the tree. So the trick in here was uh, to uh, make the tree uh, like uh, complete by adding all the, uh, creating all the necessary uh, missing leaves a 
Amelie. Seven internal nodes, seven plus one leads. And now the claim was that um, we have our original nodes in this first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh uh, node of the original binary tree. But if, if we add extra labels to extra counting level by level, of course this is the first one, the second, third, this now is the fourth, therefore this is fifth, sixth, seventh, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Of course, the first until seventh node, you can store whatever you need. Just in the array, seven elements, right? You know them, right? Um, the, the bit vector would look like one. Uh, is the node there or not? This will receive one. One one zero one zero one 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 zero one zero one zero zero one one and four zeros if I'm not mistaken now. So we, we represent this tree in this bit vector and claim that all the operations we can support on top of this bit vector. How come? Turns out that if you look in here, the child of 3 is 6 and 7. The child of 5 is 10 and 11. The child of 7 is 14 and 15. Exactly like we had in here. 2i and 2i plus 1. Except that we have we can store all the data compactly in there. So the third bit represents to the third uh, value. Uh, this one is fifth one is Fifth one is of course uh, fifth in there, right? We have added five in here, but in, in there you could store whatever the text needs to be or whatever the associated value is there, right? So this uh, fifth bit is of course fifth, fifth node. Uh, only the ones are representing the original nodes. And its uh, children will be stored at 2 times 5, 10th and 11th bit. So this one's children will be 10th uh, and 11th uh, in this vector. And this is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Exactly. 
In this case, both children exist. For three, its children are uh, two times three. Um, this one and this one. Left child is missing, right child exists. So uh, this is a bit vector. Of course, we know the location and number of each bit vector. We have numbered them from 1 to uh, 2n plus 1. We had n eternal nodes, we had n plus 1 bit, uh, leaves. Therefore, in the bit vector, there is 2n plus 1 bits. Uh, <coughs> and now, what, what remains in here is, uh, well, this is this labeling, ones and zeros. Um, we have 2n plus 1 bits. This is the numbering. The I have numbers until uh, 15. This example, this one goes until 17th. The red numbers are for the original nodes. For these not nodes, I had seven. There is eight. Uh, so this is the bit vector. And of course we can, if we can uh, do this count, the rank or sort of this is the seventh bit in the in the bit vector, so we don't need to store this part. We don't need to, of course, number the bits. We don't need to store that. Just the blue bit vector will be stored, and the operations will be performed on the red and green numbers, as in here. You take the uh, red number five, and its children will be the green ten and eleven. So red number 5 times x in the green. So you get value two, uh, 10, but you look it up from the green uh, bit vector. Right child is right next to that. And for a parent of this node, you take 11 divided by 2 is 5 from the red vector. 11 by, divided by 2 uh, the green space, and you look it up the fifth bit from the red vector. Right. The examples are different, but, but this is the essence in here. Do you see that somehow magically it works out? So what we need to know in this bit vector is, uh, for any point in here, we would like to have know how many how many ones has been there in the prefix of this bit vector until this one. That uh, this is indeed the eighth bit. So this operation we should do somehow efficiently. If you have the means on, over the bit vector to point a finger and ask, okay, from the beginning of bit vector, what is the rank? How many how many ones has been there before? 
7,525,025 fifth node in the original tree. Okay, so I think this just repeats this. Is this part uh, clear? Uh, do you see the motivation? Do you see how it, how it would work? How it would benefit you? Yeah. Well, this is just another example. Uh, first, I, I want, it's really hard to believe yourself until you do the examples. And uh, you do it like that. Again, the five, uh, six original nodes. Uh, 13, you add 7 uh, leaves, you have 13 nodes in total, and you can see the children of 4 are 8 and 9, the children of 5 is 10 and 11, children of 6 are 12 and 13. Um, and then the, if you point the finger to the 8th bit, then you ask what is its parent, it's 8 divided by 4, indeed 4 is there. 6 divided by 2, 3, indeed it's there. 9 divided by 2, of course, is 4. 4 isn't there. Uh, so this, this could be the optimal uh, bit vector representation, except that how do we come from the beginning of bit vector? How do we know the rank in fast? And that's why we need this basic, uh, another data structure, which is actually this bit vector that supports the rank and select operations. On the bit vector, you point a finger and ask, what is its one rank? Uh, how many ones there has been up until the i position? If you know that you are pointing to 15th node, that there has been three ones before, therefore, there has been 15 minus 3, 12 zeros. Okay. If you have rank of 1, you have also rank of 0. Uh, so rank for zeros is you just uh, derive it from the position and the rank of 1s. Um, and select asks for, okay, now I would like to have this very long bit vector. Ones and zeros, ones and zeros, but I would like to get the 59th one. Give me the very quickly the 59th one. <coughs> In the traditional way, you start going from the beginning, count oh, 0, 0, 1 first, second, until the 59th, and this would be a very slow operation. Right? So we need something that allows to do this rank and select uh, faster. Um, this just is uh, another example rank of. One rank for five is one, two, three. Uh, select the fourth one is one, two, three, four is nine. Yeah. And similarly for five, it's five minus three is two. And select uh, fourth zero is fourth zero is seven. So there is no immediate connection from select one, I think, to the select zero. Or maybe there is. Not, not as, as immediate as uh, between rank 1 and 0. So this data structure, if we have this data structure, then we can support efficiently. And it turns out that uh, this was 
this has been proposed, the data structure to support this um, this kind of bit vector and support the rank and select operations. Um, and once we do these rank and select operations in constant time, so that the bit vector is bit vector plus something that is smaller than the bit vector itself, small o of bit vector length. So basically we have the bit vector length is n. If we can support some index structure that allows constant time queries, uh, that is smaller than the original uh, bit vector, small o, then uh, we can support the, on the trees, we can support the questions of what is, where is the parent, where is the left child, where is the right child efficiently, or in constant time. And that was proposed in 1989, so a long time ago. And I wasn't aware until um, three, four years ago. And uh, to support the rank uh, thing, I think the intuition is that if you just have the bit vector 1, 0, 1, 0, whatever, and, and you get to this bit, whatever the i is in here. In order to know that uh, what is the total rank from the beginning, if we could chop the bit vector to some blocks and in the beginning of the block we would say that before this block starts or yeah, I guess something like that before this uh, block starts there has been 529 ones already then we just need to count how many ones is in here right? so chop the bit, long bit vector to uh, blocks you can do that also uh, probably some, somehow recursively, and then you know how many, what is the size of the block, and you have n bits, therefore m divided uh, to b bit long blocks, how many blocks there is, um, and uh, for every block you need to tell how many bits there has been so far, and this is log of m bits, m bits in total, the count, how many bits there has been, is you need log of m bits to represent that integer. Uh, for every block, uh, for every block, this is the number of blocks. One block is bit uh, b bits long, so this many blocks, and log m bits. You store the uh, the rank until that block beginning, and then I think. Uh, you can argue then within each sublock how do you keep uh, doing this within the sublock you can uh, recursively keep uh, doing this uh, and uh, therefore you can pre-compute the table that with a couple of lookups uh, tells you the rank of the particular height bit the one rank it turns out that uh, it's uh, so m was the original number of bits m times log log m log log m is relatively small right divided by log of m and you can see that it's m times log log m divided over log m and this one is small o 
but well, this one is of course uh, um, log log m is is much uh, smaller value than log of m. This ratio goes to to zero, right? So m times something that uh, gets smaller and smaller. So that that has been achieved, and uh, there are there are different uh, probably there are different attempts to get this kind of thing, but basically this has been achieved. And on the other hand, it has been proved that no method can achieve better than this, this the very same log log m m times log log m divided by log m. So this has been achieved, and this has been proved that you can't do better. So there is an optimal feedback to representation possibility uh, that supports constant time operations, and voila, you have that constant time operation uh, binary tree representation that takes just uh, m bits, m is 2n, uh, in this representation it's 2n plus 1 corresponds to m, and something that is uh, not much more than that to support the rank and select operations. So, space used was n bits, in this case it was 2n plus 1, plus something like that is small o of m uh, bits. Uh, to support the operations. And this bit vector, of course, you could even start thinking that over the bit vectors, when there are many zeros in a row, you can start compressing the bit vectors. So actually, you can attempt to make the bit vector itself a little bit smaller. But uh, I'm not going to. Uh, so uh, the, the compressed bit vector representation asks if you have m bits and n of those has been set to 1, then of course the ways, how many different ways you can select n out of m, and then one of those you have to indicate, so log of this a number of combinations, that would be this succinct size of the bit vector representation for m bits out of which n are set to 1, there is uh, this uh, b of mn optimal space. So you can even try to squeeze the bit vector itself to even smaller space. And, and this is the, the information theoretical minimum. You, you just identify which bit vector it is out of this number of different uh, bit vectors. So as you can see, there has been uh, different uh, uh, different publications in different high-level conferences, foundations of comp uh, computer science, theoretical computer science. Uh, I think Soda, I don't remember that one, but this is a uh, uh, this is a uh, high-level conference. So from the 2004-14, but uh, some foundations 89. And even they built on top of some previous journal of ACM 74. 
So 15 years later, suddenly somebody starts getting ideas and these start to explode, create new research. Uh, I don't know at the moment uh, how many industrial applications there are, because industry takes some time to uptake, uh, but at least on this, in the space of, uh, of the suffix trees and all these ideas, uh, so there has been achieved a lot of data structure compression while supporting the operations on top of the data structures, like indexing structures, etc. Okay, so if we are satisfied that with this presentation, now let's uh, ask other questions. What about the, not the binary trees, but generic M-way trees? What's going to be different in there? How do they change the game? Nodes will have more uh, more children, of course, right? The, the first one is, okay, we have something we, where we know how to handle. You can represent this always with a binary tree, the first and its neighbors. You can always transform n-way tree to binary tree with the same number of nodes. You just tell the to the left is the first, and to the right are its uh, uh, siblings. You can say that, oh, we have the technique already, just plug it in here. We convert the n-way uh, branching tree to binary tree. Of course, the, there is uh, the number of siblings you may need to go up uh, multiple times somehow, and, and it, it, it will be a little bit more complicated. It doesn't guarantee the same efficiency, but it's sort of like uh, the first approximation. The operations that we would like to have, of course, is uh, parent of x is uh, a, first child of x is b, uh, next sibling from x is c, right? You need to go through all the siblings at the same level. But these are not the only operations. You would like to know how many children each node has. This one has three children. Or entire subtree size. Subtree rooted by x has four nodes. Subtree rooted by this one has six nodes. We haven't got any clue how to find the subtree sizes in this representation yet, right? So, are there any representations that are optimal in space consumption, support these kinds of operations, but then something extra? Uh, okay, so first was this binary tree representation uh, that I just mentioned, but we we are going to look at better suited representations for generic trees, and perhaps also for binary trees. So, as we did in here, we represented this tree structure by the bit vector, right? Why can't we? use exactly the same thing. 
we just label the nodes by how many children it has. Three children, two, two, and then three, two, zero, three, zero, one, zero, two, zero, 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 is our representation of this tree. Right? You can, from this, if you know that this was how it was encoded, you can go back the tree. Three children, first of them has two children, the second child has zero, the third child has three, two, zero, three, right? And then you know that the first two are uh, children of two with a zero child, ch zero children, or one child in here. And you keep doing, of course, this didn't have any children, so uh, you don't need to represent that. Now, three's first child has zero, two and zero, etc. You can reconstruct. There is one-to-one -one mapping between ranks written out in the layer by layer and the tree. You agree? But the ranks can be large. In this representation, the problem is that we have n integers, but each may take log n bits. The value can be large. It's not binary. Right? How, do, how do we... What do we do next? You know about binary representation. What about unary representation? Do you know the unary representation? No? The unary representation represents number 3 as 3 bits followed by 0. 2 bits followed by 0. Next is immediately zero. This value in between was zero. So we just you, you just uh, uh, put how many bits, and and then you have zero before the next number. What is the length of this representation? For every node, we need to have some uh, value of how many children it has followed by zero. First of all, ones are only for nodes that exist. This one has three children, three ones. And let's keep in mind that three also is a, is a node. So the number of ones in here is the number of nodes plus one. Well, minus one, because the first root is missing at the moment. So there is as many ones as there is nodes. And uh, between any two nodes, when you want to represent the unary, how many children it has, you, you put how many children it has, and then you have zero. So between five kilometers, uh, well, between five elements, there is four things in between, right? So there is uh, n, n nodes, n, n ones, and n minus one, zero in between every two values. So n plus n minus one bits. So we have again achieved something that is a 
compact uh, bit vector representation for the tree. We don't know how to support operations yet, but it's, it just represents the tree. And on top of this uh, tree structure, it's possible to add operations. Where, where are the children? Uh, where are the parents? <coughs> First, somehow we made a, somehow we made a very distinct case that the, 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 the root was not mentioned in this big vector implicitly, right? The first one is immediately the children of the root. So in this representation, when we add a dummy root that has one child, the original root, then we can make it more uh, uh, clear that every bit now rep is represented once. We have 12 nodes, 12 bits set to once. Uh, so the red k corresponds to the kth one in this uh, bit sequence, and the, the kth node in the tree. Uh, kth bit corresponds to kth node in here, so by rank, by select and rank, you can look it up where it is, and what is the respective value if you would store something in the eighth node. But how do we get uh, for any node, the parent, um, the parent of this node um, it says number of zeros up to the case one. So if this is a case node, uh, eight was in here. One, two, three, four zeros. Indeed, this is the fourth node, the parent. The, the zero rank gives the parent. But why is that? The zeros were put after, after, after. This one has one child, so zero, two, three, four. Zero. One, two, three. One, two, three, four. Um, Parent of k is number of zeros until this kth one. So, how many zeros there is? There is one, two, three, four zeros before this uh, bit vector, and this will be the fourth uh, node that is the parent. Do the same example like on 11? Um, on 11. <laughs> on 11, how many zeros there must be? So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Uh, maybe I'm doing something wrong. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Why do I get 6? 
Okay, I didn't I didn't go through the detail last night. This one I thought that it was self-explanatory. <laughs> um, so 11, 11 was in here, and in this representation, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight zeros before 11, one, right? Uh, but individually in here, uh, that's where I, I miscounted, I think. Uh, after one, there is zero, two, three, four, zero, five, zero, six, zero, no, five and six are uh, siblings, then zero, seven, eight, nine, zero, Five doesn't have children, therefore there is another zero. After this one is zero. Um, eight, nine, zero. Eight, nine, zero. One of these zero, zero. Eight, nine, finishing here. Um, seven has. Seven, eight, nine, zero. No, it must be the um, five doesn't have uh, children. Five didn't have children. After nine, there was zero. Five didn't have children. This one represents tenth, sixth child. So the children of five, six, seven, and eight. Um, the children of six are in here, and uh, seven, it, it has to be, well, you, you have to somehow uh, one, look it through. I think there's one zero missing. Uh, Where? Well, for the tenth node, well, there should be zero after this one. And then now there should be two zeros. You mean in here there is something missing? Yes, one zero is okay. missing here. Because, well, yeah, but the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight zeros before eleven. Because one, two, seven. three, four, five, six, seven, eight zeros before eleven is the eight. The parent is uh, this looks correct. I, I, I was just uh, misplacing I think these numbers in, on the. But what Seven eight nine zero. What is the next? Uh, it should be seven eight nine zero. So where is this seven eight nine zero? I'm I I would suppose that it's this is the there is no children for five. There is one child for for six. This is the tenth bit. Zero again. Seven doesn't have child. Seven has zero. And then we hit the eleventh uh, bit in here. So the number, the number of zeros up until that moment means How many nodes have been uh, described? Oops. We are sort of like one layer up. It means how many empty nodes plus 
Silverman probably not that good from this. Um, One is on plus from Silverman. For, for every node, probably it's zero. So it so happens that by knowing how many zeros, you suddenly know what was that nervosa parameter. And uh, we just needed the same rank and select operations. You can, we can try to attempt a new different uh, image, uh, write it down, write the ones and zeros, and it should work out. Uh, so we have two n bits that we put in this bit vector, and we have the index structure to efficiently uh, support the rank and select operations. And then we can get the parent, the uh, children, uh, next sibling degree in constant time. So we did look at this next sibling. Next sibling is uh, the consecutive ones are, are the next, right? One, 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 one is they were all brothers and sisters in the same, of the same parent. And the number of bits you had uh, was the degree of the parent. This still does not support subtree size operation. So, so it supports these operations but not subtree size. Um, I did look up whether this representation was already also in uh, Jacobson 89, but uh, implementations uh, have appeared much later. So basically now I guess you can, you can get some code that tries to implement these. Well, for bit vectors, definitely. Uh, so that's what we, that's what we did. Uh, we have the ranks and we went through layer by layer, right? We went through breadth, first, order. Why? It just worked out somehow. But the same bit vector, you could of course represent also the depth first order. 3, 2, 0, 1, 0, 0, 3, 0, Two zero, zero zero. So also the bit vector. You, you know that the root has three children. The first has two children. Uh, the first of those has zero children. The second of those has one child, and that has zero children. Then you backtrack up, and then you know that the second child of th of these three nodes has uh, zero children, etc. So the depth first order gives you also a unique representation of the same tree. And you can again uh, represent it also in the unary, but this bit vector now is different layout of the tree in depth first order. But somehow what has been achieved now is that all the nodes of this subtree, they, they first, you, you, you enumerate all the bits of this subtree next to each other. So basically, three, the, uh, the, from here, this has two children, two, zero, one, zero. So these 
these four nodes constitute the subtree starting from this node. And uh, the bits, one, two, one, two, zero, one, zero, um, the children of two, there is two, so basically one, two, three plus one is the size of the subtree until you run out of the, uh, all the nodes that you can fit in. So one, two, three bits plus the root is four is the size of the subtree. So they are all, all next to each other in this representation. And uh, if they're all next to each other in this representation, like in here, one, two, three, then you would have to uh, look how the reconstruction works, one, two, three, four, five, and six. One, two, three, four, five, six bits under the, this root uh, in there. And this is the size of the subtree. So count how many bits there is. Count how many bits there is. You know how to count until this moment how many bits there were. If you know where the subtree ends, then you just ask how many bits until that one. And the difference is, of course, the size of the subtree. So there has to be something that tells how many, somehow that for the beginning of the subtree, you know where, where it ends in this representation. So, <laughs> uh, these things uh, are needed. What is the, what is from the, the here the subtree the description begins, here it ends, between the two endpoints, of course you know how, with the rank you can know how many bits is in between. Yeah. How many bits until here, how many bits until here, that gives you the answer. We already have a data structure for that. But we didn't, we didn't have this uh, link from the subtree to the end of the subtree. Um, but the, these have been uh, possible to add. We come back to this uh, in, in a second, I think. So we have still uh, two end representation of the tree and uh, a little bit extra to support the bit vector operations. And we can answer all these questions in constant time. Still no waste of extra space. I think we had. Uh, in binary surgery, what is the binary subtree size was carried as additional information in every node, but in this representation, no extra information needed. You still can get the subtree size. And these are already uh, relatively recent uh, results. Now, even more operations would be useful in XML. XML consists of uh, three uh, parts in your... Well, so basically you can think of the XML document that is a deep tree hierarchy of tags, uh, beginning and ending the tags, something in between. So basically storing the information in the serialized manner. The begin and end of the subtree of the same tag and all the, all the everything information in there. So in this uh, XML type thinking, you may need extra operations like take x11 and ask what is its second level parent. So whatever the depth you are, it can be hugely nested uh, XML, 
and you say what is on the second level uh, or within which tag it is within this fourth uh, node or within that node begin and end tag. So level ancestor, second level ancestor of one, uh, seven le second level ancestor of, of 11 is node number four. So that would be sometimes useful in, in computing on top of XML documents. You imagine huge XML uh, databases. Or in some other trees, like suffix tree-based index operations, for any two nodes, you may ask, where is its lowest common ancestor? What is the lowest tag where the two have come together? So long as the uh, lowest common ancestor of 7 and 12 is 4. So these types of operations uh, should be supported as well. So we went through a little bit complicated looking uh, countings, pointing fingers to nodes, leaves, etc., making bit vectors in this way. You could have come up with this idea all by yourself as well. So that for the tree, we can do the pre and post visit uh, parentheses. Right? So this if you walk through the tree in depth first order. This parenthesization, of course, is exactly the tree. Right? This uniquely is the tree. Beginning of the first node, and where the heck is the end of the first node, is the unique representation of the tree. And you have the left and right parent that you can represent with a zero and one. So with these zeros and ones, you can reconstruct the tree. You know that there, uh, after the root there has to be, there will be one, two, three children. And the entire subtree is within that region. So for any bit, any opening parenthesis, you would need to know where is the closing parenthesis. And then, uh, this six closes this parenthesis, right? This is perfect syntactic. There is no syntactic mistakes if you do it uh, properly. So open, open, close. This must close the six. Right? Uh, this is closing the two. Open, close, open, open, close, close. Yes, indeed, this closes the two. What is the size of the uh, subtree? Uh, that starts in here, from 2 to this 2. What is the size of this subtree representative within this parenthesis plot? Any subtree will begin with the opening and end by the closing. Entire subtree is within that. What is the size of that subtree? Number of parentheses divided. So what is the what is the bit vector? What is the distance? Oh, just open, count openings or count closings. 
the distance between this begin and then divided by two. Yeah? Because you have to, for every opening, you have to have the matching closing parameters. Uh, so first, first child of some node is the next parenthesis. If if the uh, it's opening, if if this one opens, then the uh, the next parenthesis. Uh, for this node, the next one is uh, three, yeah, the subtree in here with a single node, and this is the third subtree. So basically, you can within on top of this parenthesis representation, you can at least figure out where the tree is. And subtree size is half of the number of parentheses between the pair, between uh, between um, between this and this. Uh, then for every node there is opening closing parentheses. And again, we can represent this as a binary vector, zeros and ones, and with extra index structure. Uh, all these uh, type of queries can be supported in constant time. Again, we have 2n plus something extra, uh, but this is growing very slow. Or very slow, slower than n. Uh, so these operations. But in addition, degree, depth, height of some tree, level ancestor, lowest common ancestor, leftmost, rightmost leaf, number of leaves in the subtree. Uh, number of leaves is probably the opening closing pair immediately, right? That is a leaf that doesn't have anything under it. Uh, pre post order numbering, ice child. So basically, all these operations. T just to one by one worked out how to do all of those in constant time on top of this bit vector representation. Uh, now, the next kind of ideas that have been uh, started to emerge is that. As, as you read, these uh, professors are doing all wrong, uh, writing the binary tree in long uh, memory. Why don't they try to split the tree in subtrees? Then we have the higher level structure of the tree, and within each subtree, local subtree, you can represent the smaller tree in smaller space. So there will be higher high level pointers and within the, the subtree, lower level uh, representations. And uh, if you can group this k, uh, k nodes of the original tree in, in a block, then between the block you just need uh, to use uh, log of k uh, bits to represent pointers from one block to the other. Yeah? Uh, you don't need the entire memory uh, addressing. You, you need less bits to provide links between the um, blocks. So if you uh, partition um, the tree k nodes in a block, therefore n over k blocks, 
each one has size k, then you can figure out how many uh, how many pointers you have, uh, how many pointers between the nodes, such blocks, and within each block how many you have them, and within each block you have only k nodes, and of course each pointer is going to take log of k bits to store. So somehow recursively define the higher and lower level representation of the tree and use fewer bits to identify the pointers between the blocks and within the uh, blocks, uh, the nodes. Uh, so what, what is this value now? It's, uh, there is n over k times log of n. So this is growing, of course, n over k uh, is uh, small. In here we have saved the length of the pointer n times log of k smaller pointers between the nodes. So we have space in the same space in here. In here we have fewer pointers that are long, log of n bits for a pointer, but there are much fewer of those. Therefore, overall, we will save um, some space so that the uh, nodes can be somehow pointed with the, I don't know, I, I haven't looked at details, but depends how you do the two-level representation of the tree. Already that gives you much uh, more compressed data structure. Because you can represent the pointer, memory pointer, with a fewer bits. And these are starting to emerge. If you read carefully what the, what the memory architectures tell you, then the memory reading and fetching into cache is slow as compared to how many cycles you can calculate in the memory, in the CPU. So you can actually afford doing lots of CPU operations um, if you can save space at the same time. Yeah. You can afford doing that. And then you can have these uh, different, point, uh, different pointer structures which, uh, which are compact but still support uh, different operations in constant time. So different, uh, different techniques, bit vectors one way, uh, generic trees, parentheses representations, all of these boil down to, uh, down to this using the bit vector um, abstraction. Uh, to build the operations on top of the minimal bit vector abstractions, or I think in here there was different way of represent, representing the, the pointers. Uh, so different uh, ideas, which operations they uh, support. I don't know if there are missing x's in here or is it entirely correct. It, that's not the point. Just that different representations can yield different uh, uh, different operations. And once you start having these emerging different ideas, there is also the, always you can think of, but what is, is there any single common representation that would cover all these different techniques? And uh, there are these 
unified representations that can emulate all the other representations and that would uh, still fit in the required 2n plus smaller n bits and still support then emulate all the other uh, um, techniques. So basically unified representation that supports the union of all the operations by, uh, that are supported by other representations. Uh, and suffix trees I have been mentioning, XML documents, XPath queries, find me, you, you navigate through the XML tree in specific manner, so you can support these types of queries. Of course, file systems or representative binary decision diagrams, so you can represent large data in compact space. Large data that is hierarchical, tree structured data, but you can compress the representations and still work as if they were trees. <laughs> Any problems in this representation? Yes, many problems because we have no idea how to make the dynamic, the structures dynamic. Let's add a new node. Let's add a new value to the dictionary. How to update these kind of bit vectors? All this was now with a static representation. Yes, you have the data, the tree, single tree, we can make it bit vector like this. Yeah. But what happens when you add a new node? We haven't discussed anything about that. And I, I have no clue about exactly those methods, right? There are some existing results and uh, some papers that start to work on these, how to make these uh, structures dynamic, updatable. Uh, Label trees, giving labels to trees, I guess this uh, uh, corresponds to, yeah, the tree nodes can have certain labels which have to match, etc. Or what happens when we go from this random access memory model to these external memory models uh, on disk, for example, or what will be different on the flash memories? On the disks, you still have turning disks, some operations are slow, on flash they are more uniform but still these memory hierarchies will work etc. So um, like in the old days how to store big databases on the tapes so that you don't wind the tape too much. Right? So external memory models for example. So it seems that the, there is a community that works on those and keeps publishing on those. Uh, this Raman and, and this uh, Rao himself, uh, whose slides I have been using, etc. So this is uh, this is active area, relatively uh, active area. Um, questions? I'm not sure I could even answer the questions. I don't work in this. So more than what use these trees, you would have to like make the tree and then convert them. Yeah, but you you often have you often have this situation. You, you you build the index structure once and you want to use it many times. Like like Google index is the planet data, right? You better you do it once. And then okay, later you update it, but you do it in batches. So I don't know how well it depends, maybe some part would be Updated, smaller part of the updated dynamically, but 
large chunk of that does not change. Uh, you send XML, you send, you make a web application that sends some data as XML to the web browser. You want to keep it small and then keep using JavaScript on the small memory footprint and still be able to compute and do the dynamic thing on the, on the front end. And then you don't want to waste the memory in the transfer nor the front end. You don't want to start carrying, you don't want your mobiles to waste energy. And, and make heat in your pocket. Uh, and of course, when you go to these three uh, things like uh, between planets or, or between uh, the space ships, the, it takes eight minutes to send a signal from Mars to Earth. You better, you, you can't do the same. Uh, TCP IP protocol, I think, so easily as, as, as it is uh, in here. Right? Um, there is excellent uh, video uh, about uh, the uh, nanosecond. Uh, has any of you seen the video? How long is nanosecond on YouTube? Ex about elderly military woman, lady, uh, talking to the generals about the uh, nanosecond. And the question is that the bloody programmers, they waste milliseconds. Uh, how, how to understand this conceptually? What is a nanosecond or millisecond? You have not seen that. So, and the question boils down to the question like, Within one nanosecond, how far can the light travel? It's very important with the satellite communications. And also when you build the cloud-based infrastructures, what is the latency of the signal? How long does the signal take to reach the endpoint? What is the latency uh, that is by physical laws? Is it 300 meters? It's about one foot, a little bit more than one. 30, 30 centimeters. And, and she was, uh, it's hilarious, you, you, have to, you have to watch this video. And she takes out, out the wire, this is, this is how much it is. And then, then she takes out the big cable, and this is how much you put in your code. And, and to the channels, that when you want signal to go from, from, from Earth to satellite and back, this takes hell of a lot of nanoseconds. So to get this, uh, this there's absolutely no understanding of the scale of some things uh, until you have something to, to really connect it to. Okay. 10 to the power of 12 compared to 10 to the power of 16. What, what, what is it? Right? How, do, how do you compare them?
okay. Um, So, uh, coming back to the lecture, lecture so far, so we have been talking about lists and trees, lots about trees and all, all kind of stuff, and we usually talk about the associative, or sort of like abstract data types that supports the practitioner, store the keys and ask is the key the data structure or not. All the techniques to balance the binary search trees or make fat trees like B trees, all the operations will take logarithmic time. The more keys you have, the slower the access. Okay? For dictionary, uh, storage update, uh, and uh, lookup. Can we do faster? Of course we can. We can do it in constant time. We can throw the key into the data structure and ask in constant time is there or not. And this is supported by hashing. Not entirely true what I said, mathematically precise manner, but the goal of the hashing is to take all these operations that will take logarithmic time and make them happen in constant time. Not all. Uh, and of course, we pay uh, in, some, in some sense, but uh, um, insertion of the key, deletion, and lookup. And we get in this way the associative array or the map in different programming languages. Um, you may have these, uh, these are stored in. You just use them without thinking how, how they were implemented. Right? Are you using maps, hashes, dictionaries, one way or the other? So we need uh, constant time uh, operations, and also, as we have been working in here, we would like to maintain the space relatively uh, tiny. Right? So we have usually the records, some big data that we uh, index by the key. So all the big data can be uh, all the satellite data. That's what we want to fetch by the key. So you insert on this set by the key, delete by the key, or search. Um, well, you insert new uh, piece of information, delete it, or uh, look up. Uh, if you would store the numbers 
telephone numbers of Estonia, the normal standard landline telephone numbers, these are numbers up until seven digits long, right? Therefore, 10 million integers should cover all the phone numbers until seven digit long. Right? 99,999,000. So 10 million slots in the array would be enough to put the, put the value in and fetch it back. But the problem, of course, is that uh, it's not just seven-digit numbers, but in the, if you have just 64-bit uh, numbers, then there will be four billion by four billion different values. And you can't store that in the, in the memory by just indexing that memory. So there are more, uh, the, the key space is much larger, and you can't squeeze it in the, well, you can't reserve that space. So what we try to do is that uh, the, the universe of the keys is very large. All the 64-bit integers or all the strings of variable lengths even larger. And we would like to somehow hash or map those into a small array that can fit in our memory. So that from, for the key, you calculate the function that gives you integer value that key should go to this integer location in the array. Yeah. So we have the space of keys from where we draw the keys. It could be integers, strings. Strings, uh, how do you convert, how to take a string, your name, and say that this corresponds to integer value 6,552. So there has to be some mapping from that string to the integer. So we want, to index, we want to index the table, of course, any array, we would like to index it by the integers. So there has to be mapping from the keys drawn from the, some universe of keys, the set of keys we would like to map into the integers fitting on some table, hash table. If the hash table has nine values and you have ten keys, what happens? Sorry? It will be the tenth one does not fit in, right? Or fits in with some something that has been there before. So nine slots, ten pigeons. The pigeonhole principle says that when you have more than the number of slots, then somewhere will be collisions. Uh, so we know that we have more, the space universe of keys is huge, the table is small, our space of keys can also be relatively large, trying to map it to small table, there will be collisions. So the main question is, how many collisions, uh, what do we expect, or how can we get collisions as minimal as possible, and how do we handle the collisions? So these are the essential questions in the, in the, in the hashing. Um, also, how do you know how large the tables you make? So if you, if, if you start using it in the programming language, just, okay, maybe there will be 1,000 values. Maybe it will be 10 million in the next. So you don't know how large the input will be. So sometimes also the hash tables have to be reorganized or, or made larger. 
so how to handle the collisions? The simplest thing is, of course, to just make, if they collide to the same spot, then make, let's make a single linked list representation of all these values. But it will be much smaller number of values in here. On the worst case scenario, nightmare scenario, your enemy challenges your code, and all of those will land in the same slot as a single linear linked list, and you haven't con uh, gained anything compared to linked list representation that is slow, as you know. Uh, so this is this is bad. We don't want to have the collisions because they are a little bit tricky to handle. Was there a load factor somewhere? No, maybe it will come. Yes, in here. So load factor is we have m slots and n keys that we have n data points that we have thrown into m slots. The load factor could be. Uh, 10 over 9, 1.1, this is 1.1 something, 10 over 9 as it was the case of the pigeonholes, or it could be 2000 over 100, in this case it will be 20 per slot on average, right? or it could be if we have 1000 keys, we reserve 5000 slots, then it will be 0 0.2. So the load factor uh, tells the ratio of what is the number of keys and what is the size of the uh, array. So this is average number of keys per slot. Average uh, number of keys per slot. And now you turn to the statistics and ask what does it mean? How often you will have slots that have more than this average? How often you will have uh, slots that have less than average? Can we assume some assumptions? Can other is the hash function uniformly distributing the keys evenly throughout the table, or is it that you have a huge table but your hash function only function, uh, fits the mole in the smaller space? It has to be uniform over the entire space. Right? If we have the linked list representation, then the, if uh, the if the keys are thrown uniformly onto the hash, then you search, look up the constant time, the first location, the key should land in this box, and then the load factor tells on average how long the list will be behind them, on average. So, uh, if you try to do the lookup, you take your new key and ask, was it in the data? You land to the first location. If that was empty, then it was not in there. Right? Then it's constant time you may figure out that it's not there. You may land to somewhere where there are keys. Then you have to go through the list to verify that it is not there. Right? Then it's constant time plus load factor to figure out that it's not there, um, etc. So you can sort of analyze how long does, on average, the lookup and linking and going through the data take. 
Um, so, in a way, it boils down to having good hash functions. There are some other techniques for handling the collisions, so we, we will also have a look at that. But the first question is, what is the, how can we make sure that our hash functions are as good as possible? So they should be somehow uniform, uh, that should uh, guarantee uh, some, what well, we would like to have good hash function that would distribute the keys uniformly across, over the entire space. And even if the keys have some regularity in their distribution, like one, two, three, all the consecutive numbers, one, two, three, four, right? Or all the next year students will have the surname started with A and nothing else. Even if there is some key regularity in the key distribution, your hash function somehow should maintain this uniformity, right? So that is the goal, that regardless of the systematic bias in the data, your hash functions should be uh, uniform. Okay, we usually uh, think of, of the keys as integers, so first the strings or floater point number, well, anything you can sort of convert to integers and then think of the integer variable magic to do the uh, to do the hashing because integer is at the end what we want to know. We, we land the value in a certain integer position. So what are the techniques? Uh, of course, we if we have the array of size m, then whatever the key is, if we just take modulo of m, it gives the number from 0 to m minus 1. That is, that is what we want, from 0 to m minus 1. m stops in the array, modulo m gives us that. Yeah. The key will be landing in the correct place. Right? We need this modulo of uh, hash table size anyway. But if modulo is somehow, uh, m is somehow uh, badly chosen, for example, if we select m Uh, M64, so what happens essentially in the integer representation is that we only care about the last six digits of the binary number, because modulo uh, 64 is only the last six bits, and then whatever the bits in before, they don't influence the modulo M at all. Modulo 100, so whatever 5,755, 5, whatever, only the 55 remains if it's modulo 100. So modulo, in a way, uh, you could say that it would be good to have some large, larger um, prime number. Then it's uh, gives you a slightly better uh, function um, in, in, the, in the hash function. But this is a really like uh, the first idea that would come in the mind, and that, that's not uh, at all ideal. Uh, but sometimes, of course, your, your table size would, should also have this prime size, of course, the prime number. 
So uh, this is very simple, and if your keys are somehow uniformly distributed, maybe it works out for you in some cases, right? But if somebody looks at your code, you know that this is the prime number, you can reconstruct, we can construct the worst case scenario that is always uh, divisible by that number, and then you get uh, all hashing into the same uh, start. Uh, so multiplication methods would uh, would take the key, multiply it into something, and then divide modulo something else. Uh, but modulo and multiplications can happen in integer space uh, sometimes uh, uh, better, so that you. If you multiply by some odd integer, you get the large value, and then um, if it's uh, the multiplication of the key by some large value, there may, may be some overflow de depending on the word size. So basically, if you integer multiply large value with some integer, only what remains is the same 64 bits, right? You chop off the more significant bits anyway. But you, you remain, you get this one, and in this case, you can still look at only the uh, certain bits in this sort of like, without the division of modulo, you can look at certain bit range in this uh, multiplied uh, value by right shifting. So basically, you multiply some overflow, and, and you don't look at the least significant bits, but something that remains there, you shift. These will be zeros, and these bits will tell you the index of the hash function. Um, so you have the key, the A with which you multiply, you get some large bit vector number, but if, you, if your word size is uh, 7 in this case, so these will disappear anyway, they overflow, and when you do right shift by 4, then these three bits are the ones that remain there, and you have the uh, values until from zero to eight, the the from zero to seven, eight values with the three bits. So first you multiply, you get something more. Random, and then you select specific bits in here, so it doesn't have exactly the same bad scenario as the original modulo. But of course, it's not free of, of the regularity problems either. But this is uh, uh, this is a more advanced uh, method. We come uh, later to some other techniques where we can more freely select the hash functions. And we will uh, deal with this later next uh, next week. Yeah? Uh, and I think we also start looking at how to sol solve the co collisions. So we looked already at one case where we just built a, a linked list, but it's possible to rehash. If that slot was not free, then you can rehash, but with the next function, and then. If that was free, then you could insert it there. So basically, the linked list will appear somehow by successively probing the hash function with different in a specific order. 
So within the same table, you can make the sort of linked list representations without the links. But I think we should uh, stop it here at the moment. So succinct three structures, and we keep talking about the hashing. Thank you.